Hello and welcome back to iBiology, the DP biology revision podcast that should not be only resource. Please also go listen to Mr. Dunn. But anyways, today we will be covering units 3.3 and 3.4 as well as units 10. So meiosis, inheritance and the higher level content of the genetics unit. So if you're trying to follow along, we're using the Oxford IB study guide and the Oxford IB textbook. Yay. So let's begin with meiosis. Uh, so the essential idea is that we have one diploid uh, nuclei uh, dividing by meiosis to produce four haploid nuclei. Diploid meaning uh, two sets of chromosomes and haploid meaning just one. So two N and just N. Yeah, and the only cells in our body that actually are N. haploid. Yeah. So just N are our sex gametes. So um, sperm cells and egg cells. Sex gametes is a bit redundant, but yes. <laughs> are the gametes the sex? <laughs> sex cells. Yes. And the rest of our body cells are just uh, diploid. diploid. Yeah. yeah. Or no ploid. Huh? Like blood cells. Like red blood cells. Where? Oh, they don't have a nucleus. Yeah, they're Lit. just there to show. What other cells don't have a nucleus? Is that it? I can. There's probably others more, but red blood cell is the main example okay. I can think of right now. Okay. Lit. So. Um, How do they know what to do, though? Like, the. The nucleus is responsible for, for replication and things, and creating proteins. Do red blood cells not replicate? There's other things that make the red blood cells. Oh, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, meiosis. <laughs> meiosis. So, basically, because um, the reason why we need uh, to do uh, meiosis is because uh, otherwise we'd just duplicate the number of chromosomes every generation. Mm-hmm. Because if we combine, if we always combine the two n and two n, two n, eventually it's just we're gonna have an irrationally large number of chromosomes. Wait, do the rest of our um, body cells replicate by mitosis? No. Yeah. Yeah. Mitosis. Wait, but do they not end up with double number of chromosomes? Well, no, because they uh, uh, they duplicate and then they just split in two, and when you double something and then halve it, ah, two. Lit. Okay. The, uh, the thing is, the diff- the thing that's different between meiosis is that at the end you have two cells combining again. Right, which makes variation and stuff happening, right? Well, yeah, that's sort of, but that's yeah. part of it. That's why we end up with four. Yeah. Um, that's, wh- that's why also the genetic material replicates during meiosis as well. So speaking of, um, let's get into that. What, uh, what actually happens during meiosis? The first thing that happens is that DNA also replicates before meiosis. The reason, for, the reason for that being is so that we can get variation. Mm-hmm. Because during my... To- uh, so you might... Initially you might think, oh, why are we replicating DNA? Why don't we just split it up? Mm-hmm. The reason for that is so that we can... Re- uh, so we can create recombinants. And that we can... Or not quite recomb... Well, also recombinants, but also that... Um, that way, some cells might get some chromosomes, other cells might get other chromosomes. So that wouldn't be good. Well, no, we we do want that in meiosis, so we can have variation. Ah, okay. Okay. So we won't talk about the stages of meiosis. Exactly. That's what I'm just saying. Uh, that's what I'm leading into right now. Ah, okay. Um, that for, for, so first we replicate the DNA, so that's like all of the interphase stuff, and then we actually get to the stages. So first prophase. Um, this is when crossing over occurs. We're go- uh, so crossing over. It's basically part of meiosis mm-hmm. uh we're going to get into more detail with that with the higher level stuff okay. but essentially it's when 
to uh, when a part of a chromosome cro uh, and a part of a on a hom homologous chromosome when they uh, when they switch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, we'll talk about uh, more about it later. So and so they, that happens during prophase one. Yes, during prophase one. Okay. Then uh, they randomly line in the middle and get pulled apart. The chromosomes, pairs of chromosomes. Yes, pairs of homologous chromosomes. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, metaf now it's just like you like you know from mitosis metaphase. They line sorry so metaphase they line up in the middle randomly. We don't know in what um, order. Mm -hmm. um, anaphase they get pulled apart. Uh, telophase, we now have the two cells with ho homologous chromosomes. Then the second division, uh, so that's meiosis 1. There's meiosis 1 and meiosis 2, which are the two divisions. Mm -hmm. Then in the second uh, division, um, again, they, uh, they condense again. Get the chromosomes. Yes. Mm -hmm. They're in the middle again, get pulled apart again. and But uh, now it's not the chromosomes that are pulled apart, but the chromatids from the exactly. homologous chromosomes. Exactly. Exactly. Now mm -hmm. it's the sister chromatids that are pulled apart, uh -huh. and so then we end up with four haploid cells at the end yes. that are all genetically different from one another. Yes. Lit. Well. Yeah, I think. I mean, I guess there's a uh, there's a slight chance that they're going to be similar, but generally, yes, they're going to be different from one another. Mm. Okay. So if we're talking about so if if one egg cell goes through meiosis, it gets four. Babies, basically, <laughs> in the sort end. Sort of. I mean, it's okay. That this is go going more into eugenesis, which we'll cover in unit eleven. Mm -hmm. But um, essentially, you start or when you start with uh, the ovum, mm -hmm. uh, which is the egg cell, it does. It doesn't really. The egg cells they're a bit more complicated because um, when they uh, when they develop, they turn into um, the uh, uh, the primary oocyte in a polar body. Mm -hmm. So, and again, we're going to talk about that more in Unit 11. Standard level students don't even need to know about this. But if I have these four babies, a now, more what happens? A, a more apt comparison is with uh, sperm cells, mm -hmm. where it actually divides into four. And so from one sperm cell, I get four new sperm cells. Yeah, from one cell, from the terminal uh, epithelium, you end up with uh, four sperm cells. But the sperm cells don't do meiosis themselves, right? It's the cells from the epithelium thingy thing. Yeah, that then develop into primary and secondary spermatozoids. Ah, right. Okay, but that's a different topic. All in all. Yeah, just so. just know the basic process of um, meiosis. And again, one of the reasons why we do meiosis is so that we can have genetic variation, which is important for the survival of our species. Because that yeah. way, if there's like, I mean, the the most common like idea that is used is that if you have a bunch of bugs and all of them like to eat roses um, once there are no more roses they're kind of screwed the entire yeah. species meanwhile if uh, some like roses and some like daisies they're going to be good even if one of the flowers mm -hmm. goes extinct um, now another thing that we need to know is about the uh, idea that so also the genetic variation also comes uh, from the fact that uh, it fuses with parents, creating a new combination. What? Who fuses with parents? So the the different cells of the parents fuse. What? You mean the, the sperm, sperm cell, cell and the egg cells? Yes. Okay. And then they have you have new variations of chromosomes. Yes. Um, then yes. you have then you have new combinations. 
so new karyotypes. Uh, and one thing you also need to know is about non-disjunction. So the idea behind non-disjunction is that basically um, during meiosis, sometimes it can fail. <laughs> Especially during anaphase one and anaphase two. So that uh, that way, when it gets pulled apart, the um, chromosomes get pulled apart. Yes, that's it. <laughs> then the um, then one of the um, final cells from meiosis ends up with two uh, copies of a chromosome. So because for, because of non disjunction. Mm-hmm. So uh, for in, and the most common one of this is uh, the most common known one is uh, chromosome twenty one, but then when it uh, when it fuses with a haploid gamete. Then it ends up uh, we end up having a cell with three um, mm. chromosomes. Of type so, twenty one. Yeah. So yeah, so for three ty- uh, so three copies of in this case chromosome twenty one, which is called trisomy twenty one. Um, so called Down syndrome. Exactly, and so the uh, and that can um, cause unwanted birth defects. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so also this the chance for non disjunction happening. Um, increases with age apparently yes. so the age of the mother yeah <laughs> um, so the next thing it would be inheritance but before that it's time for the higher level stuff Yay. so let's uh, uh, so let's look more closely at crossing over um, so again during uh, during prophase one um, the uh, the two Chromos- uh, the homologous chromosomes align. Um, and so you've got the sister chromatids together, and then those are the homologous, cr- and then the two homologous chromosomes with the two sister chromatids next to one another. Um, so the diagram I'm currently looking on is at page 440 of the textbook. I have and a question. Yes. Um, page 125, just for reference. Um, here, you have, you have this chiasma forming, right? Yes. During crossing over. Do these two chromosomes... Are, are they still connected or does it cut happen here and well the thing they they become separated yeah when they then pull apart for a while the chias, uh, uh, the chiasmata forms however then uh, when it then pulled uh, but then when it pulls apart when the chromosomes pull apart yeah then the um then it be, uh, then it breaks um ah, so the the two connected chromosomes break apart yes okay, okay. so the idea uh, so i believe if i understood this correctly <laughs> um, that uh, the crossing over happens before they're actually supercoiled wait when are they supercoiled do they uh, they supercoiled during prophase one and that's why the chiasmata formed then wait crossing over happens during pro before prophase one even doing uh, during prophase one ah yeah so while uh, so the DNA is replicated we're starting it and so they've crossed over, and now when the supercoiling then uh, it beca- the chiasmata become visible as well because now they're trying to pull apart, but because they've ah, crossed over, okay. when they pull apart, um, yeah, you should uh, you should know what this looks like just because um, they might ask you to draw it. I've seen it in a past paper before where they ask you to draw a chiasmata. How the fuck do I draw a chiasmata? Well, chiasma. Chiasma action. You uh, you well you draw the um homo- uh, well you draw the homologous chromosomes and that they're kind of apart and they're connected but connected like this yeah exactly okay. by the chiasmata and you label the chiasmata chiasma. you, 
One is called a chiasma, no nope. multiple are called chiasmata. Um, these connection points are called chiasmata, plural, or chiasma, singular, you were right, sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, who puts the plural before the singular? Yeah, I don't know, but it makes okay, yes, sense. Okay, yes, you label the, uh, the chiasma, um, and then you label the sister chromatids, you label the centromere, you label, say, these are... Uh, it was only like a three-point question, okay. but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, still need to know it. Um, so... Uh, and this ca- and now that results in exchange of alleles, and that ca- it, it can create new combinations of alleles. Exactly, I believe uh, we're going to look at it further uh, during inheritance, where we look mm-hmm. at sex, uh, not just sexing, but also um, just li- linked genes and sex-linked genes. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> um, so now, and there's also. The idea of independent assortment that you need to know the law of independent assortment basically it's the random orientation of pairs of homologous chromosomes in meiosis one mm-hmm. which basically means that they're going to be randomly allocated <laughs> when they're in the middle there uh, they can face in either direction meaning that when they get pulled apart there's an equal chance they'll end up on either side so mm-hmm. they, it means there's an equal chance of either of the traits being passed along the recessive or the nice. dominant. Nice. So then, uh, because of the independent assortment, it uh, we get the Mendelian ratios. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, uh, what was seen while Mendel was studying inheritance, Yay. bringing us to inheritance. Just flipping around the textbook. So. What, uh, so now let's start with the standard level stuff for inheritance. Uh, what did Mendel do? So essentially, um, what you need to do to discover um, inheritance, a bunch of pea plants. Now, Yay. pea plants specifically, it's good to know why he used the pea plants. It's because um, they replicated quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, they had clear, distinct um, features. So there wasn't any co-dominance going on. It was either recessive or dominant. Mm-hmm. And um, well, you could make a lot, and you could also control the, uh, inha- uh, you could also control the pairings. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and obviously you can get a lot, and if you have a bunch of monks with nothing better to do, you can get them to count all of your pea plants. Let's go. <laughs> so, um, uh, how do we inherit things? So it's, again, we talked about gametes, their haploid contain one allele of each gene. So alleles are specific versions of a gene. Um, and then zygotes, the uh, the combination of them, um, have two alleles of each gene that may be same or different. Mm-hmm. So for, ex- uh, for example, um, and, uh, in pea plants, it might be one, uh, one allele for being having green and one allele for having yellow peas. Or one for having smooth or wrinkled skin. Exactly. Uh, Or it might be both smooth, both wrinkled. Mm -hmm. And one of those will be recessive and one of them will be dominant. Mm -hmm. um, At least in those cases. So the recessive, uh, so if one has both, which is termed as heterozygous, um, it will cause the uh, person to exhibit the dominant. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it'll just show which one of the both. So if both are the dominant ones, they'll show the dominant. If both are have the recessive, then they'll show the recessive, which is called homozygous. Mm-hmm. However, there are also um, examples of 
two alleles of each gene, uh, of more than two alleles. Mm -hmm. So, for example, with blood type, there's more than two alleles. Mm -hmm. So there's capital I, A, capital I, B, and lowercase i. Yeah. Um, which I believe we will get m more into latest in units 11, I think. <laughs> yeah, but we can get the basics. Yeah. Um, again, all of this is probably simply, probably already know all of this. Also, co blood type is co-dominant, like belongs to Exactly, the that's the idea, that the co, uh, that it's, that's that other thing we just talked about, recessive and dominant. Co-dominant means that both are shown. So, for example, uh, so with the idea of blood type, there's, because I said capital I, A, capital I, B, lowercase i, the capital and the lowercase indicate which is recessive and which is dominant. Uppercase mm -hmm. dominant, lowercase recessive. Mm -hmm. And usually with co-dominant, then it'll be uppercase with a subscript. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you have uppercase I, subscript A, uppercase I, subscript, uh, so superscript, sorry, superscript B, uh, then you'd have blood type AB. Mm -hmm. In that case, you'd know what both of your alleles are because it's co-dominant. Yeah. Um... So yeah, let's let's look uh, just a bit more at a ABO blood groups. So uh, you may or may not uh, know your uh, blood group. Um, so there's blood group A, blood group B, uh, A, B, and O. Mm -hmm. so again, we just talked about uh, A, uh, A, B is because it can be um, co-dominant. Co -dominant. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that um, what they produce uh, is antigens. On the, bloods, mm -hmm. on the blood cells, uh, meaning Wait, that... Wait, who, who produces antigens? It's the... Um, so, for example, blood... Uh, wait, let me just quickly... So, I, uh, so the IA gene, allele mm -hmm. of the gene, um, alter, uh, alters the glycoprotein uh, uh, protein by addition of an acetyl gla uh, galactose amine. Okay, so... You don't need to memorize that, but the idea is that they... Um, add an antigen, meaning who the, the the allele. So either like depending on which allele you have, then you have, you have a different antigen. So if you have uh, the so if you have blood group A, then you have an antigen specific to blood group A, meaning that you produce anti or that you do not produce antibodies for that. Again, we'll get more into mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. specific antigen antibody yeah. thing with um, I believe it's unit eleven. Um, but the idea is that when uh, that group O would be the uh, the universal uh, donor mm -hmm. because they don't uh, have any of the antigens mm -hmm. uh, and uh, blood group AB is the universal recipient because they ha don't have any of the antibodies. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it can be fun to kind of draw out a Punnett square if you know the blood, uh, if you know the blood types of your parents and your own. So for example, I have a blood type A. Mm -hmm. My mother has a B and my father has B. Mm. And because I'm blood type A, that means that I know that my father is heterozygous with the blood type B because otherwise I could not have had oh, blood type nice. A. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, there's also something with positive and negative, which is another thing. Um, I don't believe we need to know about it, but positive is dominant over negative if you've wanted to know. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about genetic diseases. Yay. Um, so there's autosomal and sex-linked. Mm -hmm. Sex-linked basically means it's located on the X chromosome. Autosomal means it's uh, just... Not it's not. <laughs> it's on any other chromosome. So if 
um, if a disease is sex-linked, then the gene for having that disease is on the X chromosome. Yes. Okay. I think it might also be that there's some on the Y chromosome, but it's yeah. not that we learn about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, uh, a lot of the diseases, though, are because of recessive. Uh, are on uh, are recessive. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about it a bit, it makes sense why. Because if they were dominant, people are less likely to reproduce. Uh, and are yeah. thus and thus that gene is going to be more that allele of that gene is going to be more likely to die out. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, if it's recessive, then people could still carry that gene but just not express the disease. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there is one though that we need to know about that's dominant is the Huntington's. Huntington's is dominant. Sex-linked. Yes. Okay. No, no, not sex-linked. It's autosomal. Oh, it's autosomal. Okay. Huntington's is an autos uh, is an autosomal dominant, meaning, um, but the reason why is because it shows up later in life after people have already had children, so that's why it still persists. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a dominant one, so yeah. But most of the time, it's uh, recessive. Do you know um, what happens if you have Huntington's disease? I believe it's neurodegenerative, so it means your brain degenerates. Oof. Okay. It's not, not not great. <laughs> nope. Um, then uh, there's also uh, cystic fibrosis, which you need to know about, mm -hmm. um, which is recessive. Uh, again, these are uh, this is mainly useful for when you have to like answer a question for this person is heterozygous for this disease, this person is homozygous for this. What's the chance that a child is a carrier of the disease mm. or something? Mm -hmm. um, so then that's autosomal. Uh, but let's talk about specifically uh, sex-linked. Mm -hmm. Sex-linked. Um, so just like we said, that it's with connected with the X and Y chromosomes. Mm -hmm. Specifically, how you'll see this pop up is that um, males only have one X chromosome, meanwhile females have two. Mm -hmm. Meaning that sex-linked diseases are more, if they're recessive, are more commonly found in men than in women. Because men don't have an, like an extra X chromosome. Essentially, yeah, they don't have a backup uh, allele <laughs> there, so they're more likely to, um, because they can't be heterozygous for something. They yeah. can only have it or not have it. Yeah. So two examples uh, that we should know about are hemophilia, that is a sex-linked recessive disease, mm -hmm. and red-green color blindness. Mm -hmm. Okay. And my very own small sample size confirms at least the latter. I know two. Uh, uh, men who are colorblind, I know no women who are colorblind. That is a very small sample. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> there is uh, other support for it. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's another thing that you'd need to think about and consider. But even if, like, even with colorblindness, women st can still be colorblind, right? Yes, it's just exactly. less likely. Exactly. So, mm -hmm. for example, if we have a woman who is a carrier for colorblindness but is not colorblind herself, and a man who is colorblind, if they were to have a child, then that their ch child, if they were a girl, I believe would have a fifty percent chance of colorblindness. And if they were a boy, uh, and if they were a boy, then they'd also have a fifty percent chance of colorblindness. But then, why do more men? Why are more men colorblind then? Because um, ah, so yeah. if a woman is a carrier, then uh, if a woman is a carrier, but a man does not have colorblindness, mm -hmm. um, then there would be uh, then there I believe is a zero percent. Wait, yeah, if a woman is a carrier. If a woman is a carrier, wait. Let me just. I feel like I need to draw a pundit square. Let me just quickly get something. Okay, uh, I'm back. I've drawn. I've drawn two pundit squares, and my initial suspicions were correct. If uh, we have a woman who is a carrier for color blindness and a man who is color blind, 
if they have a girl, there's a 50% chance she's going to be colorblind. If they have a boy, then there's a 50% chance he's going to be colorblind. Meanwhile, if we have uh, a, a woman who's a carrier, but a man who is not colorblind, then there is a 0% chance for a female child to be colorblind. And for a male child? And for a male child, there's still a 50% chance. Oh, okay. Because the uh, X chromosome that the father will be passing on is going to be uh, uh, is going to be dominant. Mm. Mm-hmm. Again, always draw out some putted squares if you're feeling unsure for a question on a test. That's what we're learning here. Um, yeah. So there's an, another example is of hemophilia that that's also carried on the X chromosome and is recessive. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's many uh, there's many genetic diseases, but most are very rare. It's because mm-hmm. people. In the past, if they had those, were more likely to die and less likely to pass them on. Yep. Uh, so now, just one thing we still need to know about is mutation. Have we schon über mutation gemacht? I think we might have actually. I think we might have thought that that was part of a different. Actually, yeah, I think we already talked about mutation. Go check our last episode. Time for the high level content. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's all that you need to know about inheritance and uh, genetics at standard level. Let's look at more high-level stuff. Yeah. So, um, segregation and independent assortment. <laughs> Basically, um, unlinked uh, unlinked genes um, go independent, sort independently. We already talked about this. Wait, what are unlinked genes? Unlinked genes are genes that are on different chromosomes. Unlinked genes? Are genes that are on the same chromosome. That's why sex linked is called sex linked because they're linked uh, to the sex chromosomes. But in general, just linked genes are just on the same chromosome. I'm confused. We didn't talk about this yet. That's why we're doing it now. <laughs> Wait, what are unlinked genes? Unlinked genes are just genes that are on different chromosomes. On different chromosomes, then what? Like, that, like to each other. If one gene is uh, one, uh, like if I'm talking about two genes and I say that they are unlinked. That yeah. means they're on different chromosomes. So, wait, I need to draw this. Ah! You can make pause if you want. So, for example, uh, an example of linked genes would be that uh, the wings in f- fruit flies and the, uh, their body color. Um, and so, uh, for linked uh, genes, the, uh, the gene for body color and the gene for like vestigial wings or normal wings is on the same chromosome. So that means... They only show together. Most of the time, unless they're recombinant due to the forming of chiasm. Ah, okay. Okay, so if I have a, if I have a linked gene, um, like the, the wings and the, and the body type, then yeah. they usually show together. Exactly. Okay, an unlinked gene, it, what's, do you have an example for it? Uh, it's, it's with the pea plants, remember, wrinkled or non-wrinkled. They're ah. just on different crops. Uh, so, so for a, example, a green can be wrinkled or a yellow can be wrinkled. And yes, exactly. So that's oh, okay. uh, actually going right into that. Um, thus far, our Punnett squares have been monohybrid. Mm-hmm. So that ha- that means that uh, we just looked at one trait. Mm-hmm. We also need to be able to look at dihybrid cross- uh, crosses. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the inheritance of two traits. So in this case, uh, unlinked traits. But... Um, so what would uh, so what we would uh, look at is um, what gametes can form. So for example, if we have something that uh, so if so I'm currently looking at the Punnett uh, grid 
on uh, page 446. So if we have uh, capital S, lowercase s, capital Y, lowercase y, so heterozygous for both, you could have the dom uh, bo where both both of the dominant alleles, one dominant and one recessive, with the one recessive, the other dominant, or both of the recessive. Those are all different gametes that could form from this. Mm -hmm. And then we'd also look at what gametes can other produce, and then we just fill in the grid and see the phenotype and genotype that each of the offspring would have. Oh, okay. The phenotype will generally appear in a, a 9 to 3 to 3 to 1 ratio. This is unlinked, right? Unlinked, yes. For the hybrid cross, okay. Yes. The, and how we can find out that it, uh, that it's linked um, is by looking at the uh, by f looking whether the dominant and dom uh, the, whether the dominant dominant and recessive recessive um, appear more often to get uh, together than uh, appear more often than they should. So for example, that would happen. Okay, if, if they were um, if they were linked. Mm. So for example, if though we normally might expect it into in a nine to three to three to one ratio, mm -hmm. if it's suddenly like. Um, a three to zero to zero to one ratio, then we could expect it to be linked. Oh yeah, okay. So, uh, this uh, so linked genes, they're on the same chromosome. Um, so the example that is used, like I said, is with fruit flies. That if you try and breed the fruit fly, uh, breed the fr fruit flies, you'll find um that when uh, that for a wing type and bo a body color, uh, it won't appear in a 9 to 3 to 3 to 1 ratio, mm -hmm. if, if, even if both are heterozygous for both traits. Okay. Um, so what instead happens is um, that there'll be a, a, a lot of them with... Um, let me just check that I'm not, uh, that <laughs> I'm not about uh, to mess this up. Where, uh, so basically normal wings and a brown body are uh, dominant over vestigial wings and an ebony body, mm -hmm. so black body. Um, and so uh, the only way that you could suddenly have a fly with a, a brown body and vestigial wings would be if crossing over were to occur. Ah, yeah. Because at that point uh, the chromosomes swap genetic information. Mm. Although from then on you could more easily have yeah. Um, those. Okay. So you might uh, so one example that they might give you in exam would be if, for example, <laughs> they uh, showed you a chart and they said that oh um, this is linked with this and then you see okay what are the most common times when th these appear together and then looking at and then uh, if they ask you for a recombinant that you see okay at one point do they not appear together. Ah yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then now let's look let's look at types of variation. Um there is discrete and continuous variation. Discrete variation is basically if you've done math, um <laughs> there's uh discrete is that it's separate categories that cannot overlap. So for example mm -hmm. blood type, um where you can either be O, A, B or A B. Mm -hmm. That you can't be like half a half b well like a b but uh you, you couldn't be like three quarters a an eighth o and an eighth b that's yeah not how it works mm -hmm. um but uh that is because that's for discrete yes mm -hmm. because it's only dictated uh by one gene mm -hmm. instead 
what there's also is, is continuous variations. Mm-hmm. So that's when there are polygenic characteristics. So basically characteristics that are, are affected by more than one gene. Oof. Okay. So. Um, like height? Yes, like height, for example. Um, or with like some flowers, their color. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is that you'll find that it, uh, it'll appear then in a bell curve. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, um, that if you have like five different genes, the chances that you'll, again, this is an oversimplification, but mm-hmm. the chances that you'd have a tall gene for all five would be rather low. Mm-hmm. Or, and as well, and the chances that you have a tall, uh, the short gene in all five would also be rather low. Instead, you'll probably have something in the middle. Causing kind uh, causing the bell curve of what is going to happen. Um, so the, it's, if you want to get even more mathematical, you can also determine it by Pascal's triangle. Um, we love it. But yeah, that's the basic idea. We already talked about identifying recombinants. Um, right. If you want to statistically identify the recombinants and not just look at it and be like, that's obviously off the ratios, um, you might use a chi-squared test. Uh, the chi-square test is something that comes up again and again. I don't think... I've never seen a question where they actually ask you to calculate it. Mm. They just go, okay, what can we use to determine this? And if it's on a biology exam, probably a chi-square test. Mm. <laughs> but it's generally when you, chi-square tests are used to determine the difference between expected probability and actual like outcomes. So, last uh, last part of ge- uh, genetics, 10.3, gene pools and speciation. Um, a gene pool is all the genes and the different alleles that are in, a inter- in an interbreeding population. Mm-hmm. So, that, and um, basically evolution um, shows how allele frequencies change. What are allele frequencies? How often the alleles appear in the gene pool. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we might, um, if we start, um, if people with brown hair are more likely to die. Um, <laughs> okay, drastic changes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be uh, that would be an evolutionary pressure on the mm-hmm. um, population uh, that would cause evolution towards people without brown hair. Because the allele frequency would change because uh, yeah. okay. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's different patterns of um, selection. Mm-hmm. So there's directional, stabilizing, and disruptive. There's a pretty good diagram of this on page 127. Yeah, it's, we're also going to come back to this in unit 5 where we talk a bit more about evolution. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that directional is where it goes into one direction. So for example, the, uh, what I just gave with the uh, hair color, if, uh, if dark hair is selected against, then we'll move towards light hair. That's mm-hmm. just the one direction. Okay. Stabilizing is if the extremes are selected against, but so we go towards the middle. So let's say that, I don't know, short uh, <laughs> Black hair people and blonde hair people die out. So... <laughs> or like that, let's say, sh- um, tall people, uh, that... Uh, tall people keep bumping their heads and die of concussions <laughs> and uh, I don't know short people they just die <laughs> and, so... and in that case we would be selecting for people of medium height and so the selection would stabilize uh, to the center hmm. and disruptive um, would mean that 
the, uh, that it goes apart. So, so for, that the median people die out and people exactly. are either very small or very tall. Uh, one, be amazing. <laughs> one example that is used that if, for example if you had two species of mice and the bigger ones may be able to better accru uh, better accrue um, resources and the smaller ones able to run away more quickly meanwhile the ones in the middle have no benefit of either mm, okay so but what even is what so then what is speciation speciation is the idea of a new species coming about mm hmm and the way that this ha uh, the way that this may happen is due to reproductive isolation so over a very pretty long period of time, I think. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. That's well. the difference between gradualism and punctuated um, equilibrium. Um, the idea is that reproductive isolation basically happens when two populations don't interbreed anymore. Mm -hmm. There's three types of this. There's temporal, behavioral, and geographic. Mm -hmm. Temporal just uh, means um, time. So, for example, um, if suddenly one if one species starts mating at a different time than another species, mm -hmm. another species, no, group of the populations, same species, populations of the same species. So, one thing that you might use for that, uh, just to think about it, for example, if um, <laughs> I'm just going to try and make you it can easy. use the cicadas example, um, or if uh, I know one group of people only go to the club between that <laughs> nine in the evening and ten in the evening and another go to the club at one in the morning then obviously that's the better people just saying <laughs> <laughs> obviously those two groups won't be able to interbreed and um yeah true we're assuming that all mating happens in the club <laughs> um and so they would get so that that way that would allow them to shift away from each other and suddenly start changing allele frequencies mm, okay um, then so that would be the temporal. Yes. Behavioral would is if the behavior changes. So if we go back to our club example, if you're in the club at the same time, but uh, but like your dance moves aren't attractive to a certain population of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and so you aren't uh, and so that way you aren't able to So you basically have two groups developing different mating dances. Yes. And so they wouldn't interbreed anymore. Exactly. So Ellen an actual example of this is with bird songs. If two uh, if two groups of, uh, if two populations of birds suddenly have different songs, they can't interbreed, and thus they're uh, and thus they don't inter and thus the gene pool splits, mm -hmm. and the allele frequencies of those gene pools change independently of one another, causing um, speciation. Mm -hmm. And geographic would be, for example, if a new club opens and then one population only goes to that club and another population only goes to the <laughs> other club. I really like the club example. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, again, a real life example might be if a um, if a new branch of a river forms and then it suddenly so for example the making of oxbow lakes, <laughs> if an oxbow lake is formed. I don't know what an oxbow lake is. It looks like someone didn't pay attention to eighth grade geography class. Oh my god! How could I? I fell asleep. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did too, but I at least remember them. Um, <laughs> it's the idea that the uh, if so, so suddenly if a lake splits off from a river. Um, then those uh, then the populations of fish aren't able to interbreed anymore, and thus develop differently different species. Okay, but you form. said that this could happen over a period of time or suddenly. That's right? the idea between gradualism and punctuated equilibrium. Okay. Um, uh, gradualism is the idea that uh, speciation happens like over a long time, so that the mean of the population or the median changes slowly. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, so 
that, that that was for a long time like the dominant framework people were like yeah obviously um that makes sense however in the fossil record there were gaps mm-hmm. so they were like wait this like there's we can't like it suddenly went from this to this and we found no idea However, this is because punctuate equilibrium. So while it may change slowly over time, it can also happen abruptly. So How would that happen? Um, one, uh, one example is polyploidy. What? Polyploidy is basically, if you think about it, haploid, diploid, polyploid. It's several uh, copies of it. So that is uh. when it doesn't split properly and suddenly you have twice the number of um, chromosomes. So an example of this as so it com- it happens most commonly in plants and happens in less complex animal mm-hmm. um so the red viscacha i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that correctly uh, a rodent from argentina um has the highest chromosome number and it's hypothesized that that is because it is tetraplo- a tetraploid version of another animal oh lit <laughs> that's cool <laughs> Huh, interesting. But how, like, is that a mutation? Or, like, it's how not, can an entire uh, population suddenly just start producing, like, you know? Well, it's weird. It's, pro- uh, it's probably that um, they just, yeah, they just have, uh, like, it was basically that, ac- I'm guessing, accidentally two diploid cells um, combined. And, and the then thing it turned is, out to be evolutionary useful or what? Not necessarily, but just, beca- uh, but just, um, they would that cause reproductive isolation yeah but it, if, if it happens only in one in one individual then well it wouldn't be one individual probably it would be like generations or something mm. but okay um it's it seems ambiguous mm-hmm. it's uh, we're, we're unsure uh, it's it's not entirely sure again we're looking at all of this in retrospect but polyploidy is something that you can bring up in a question that asks about punctuated equilibrium mm-hmm. um and basically it can be also in it can also happen when there's um, things uh, when there's like sudden extinction events. Ah, right. Mm-hmm. So, for example, again, if there's just a big meteor hitting <sighs> Earth, and does only the smallest of those species survive, then that would cause sudden speciation. Mm. Okay. Uh, one example would also be with anti- uh, with antibiotic resistance. That if I have a large uh, a set of bacteria. And then I use an antibiotic uh, on them. Only the antibio- uh, the only the ones that are resistant against mm. that antibiotic, would be able to survive. True. Okay. Um. And yeah, yeah, I believe that's it. That's all genetics. genetics. <laughs> Woo! And then next time we'll talk about ecology and how we're messing up the planet. Yay. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>